Look into James chapter number four together, and uh, I've got quite a bit. That's why I feel like it's probably necessary to spread it out a little bit, but I've got a lot from just this first eight or ten verses, but today specifically, if time allows, we'll go just a little bit further, but Lord willing, we'll look at the first three verses this morning, considering modern church old problems. Modern church, old problems. The Bible says in James 4, verse number 1, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. We thank you for this word you've given us. We thank you for this wonderful bread. God, as we break it, I pray that we would grow from it and we would go from it into tomorrow, into the rest of the day. God, in our lives, we would walk a life that reflects you and your son, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last time I checked, the year was 2020. And we know that this year has not been what everybody planned. I think about the beginning of the year and everybody's resolutions and everybody's plans and everybody's ideas. And I think about sitting in meetings at the bank talking about how much money we're going to make and how well we're going to do and how this is going to happen and what we're going to roll out, the success we're going to have and things we're going to see happen. You heard those things too. You saw those things too. Uh, you got people wanting to sell you uh, a trip, all-inclusive trip. For November of 2020, for April of 2020, for June of 2020, and that didn't come about uh, for most people. People had things planned, they had book, things booked, they had things paid for, and just ain't going to happen. We had to move some plans ourselves, and that's okay. Uh, there have been some benefits of it. But nonetheless, it is 2020, and we think that because we are in 2020 that we have arrived and we have exceeded uh, the, the difficulties of days gone by. Used to people would get sick and it would be simple stuff. They'd get the cold and they'd fall up and die the next day. They would get uh, the flu and they would it would spread throughout the town and everybody would die. They would get uh, stomach problems and bowel issues and they would die because of the day that they were living in. We, had, we think that because of medicine and because things we've achieved and things we've done that we've gotten to a position where we have exceeded the limitations of anything else that anyone else have, has ever achieved. Not realizing that as we have got further and further into this technological age, as we have been blessed with all the things that this world can offer, as we've got the fancy phones and we've got the fancy cars and we've got all these things that are just uh, so wonderful, we've got further and further away from God. There's been nothing that shows that any better than God's house and his church and how that we've got a danger affecting the modern church. And that danger is the devil. That danger is the devices of Satan. That danger is the things that Satan wants to get in the minds of preachers and teachers and church members alike. Those types of things that Satan wants to see get in your mind, he wants to use that to corrupt your children. He wants to use that to corrupt your home. He wants to use those things to corrupt the people that you're around. And in this modern church, we think we've arrived because we've got lights, we've got this, we've got that, we've got songs, we've got technology, we've got podcasts, we've got this and that and the other. And there ain't nothing wrong with all the things that God's given us as the ability to be able to reach people, but we've got to make sure that we manage it and we're good stewards of the thing, things God's blessed with. 
And so as we imagine the day James is living in, the people he's writing to, he repetitively runs into a, a similar issue. And the reason I say modern church old problems is because we're living in 2020, but we're having issues that James was dealing with thousands of years ago. They thought they had arrived. They thought they had been on top of, of the world. But here we are today and people are still being murdered. People are still getting sick and dying from, from cancer. We can't figure cancer out. We sure can't. People are profiting off of people's sickness. People are making billions and millions of dollars doing dishonest things. Although we have succeeded, although we have exceeded, although that we have stepped above, there's still people that need that ambulance that's about to come up the road. There's still people that need the fire truck that's coming up the road. There's people that still need the police to come and help. There, there are people that certainly need the military to go fight uh, wars and battles for us to protect our nation. We still need these things. If we're so, if we've progressed so far, why do we still need, 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 need? But we look. And what do we need? We think we need the things that, of this world. We think we need what we can achieve. But I believe that the church has first and foremost a problem with lust. James, he says, For whence come wars and fightings among you, come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Even in this day, they thought they had achieved something. They thought they had stepped into a new day. They thought they had got new success. They thought they had done more than anyone had ever done before. And you know what? By the world's standards, they have. By the world's standards, we have. We are further along than anybody else, but that's only because it's today. Tomorrow, today will be outdated. Next week, this week will be outdated. Next month, this month will be outdated. Every time you turn around, there's something new coming out. There's somebody trying to sell you something. Well, you got a new phone. I told somebody the other day, if I didn't study it and research it, I used to care what kind of phone I had. But if I didn't study it and research it, I probably couldn't even tell you what kind of phone this was. Because every time you turn around, they got to sell you a new one. Yeah. Well, I've only had this one in a month and a half. Well, this one, it'll scramble eggs for you. This one will do this or this one will do that. You can call internationally. You can do, it is something all the time trying to sell you something. And there's some things. They are good convenience. They're good things that help us grow. There's good things that help us get through the next day but I tell you what there's a lot of these things that they are slipping through that's not beneficial to us and it's because of our lust in the church that we're not seeing God grow we're not seeing God benefit we're not seeing any benefits God's trying to give us we're not growing from anything because we're distracted by everything outside of these four walls that's what James is dealing with we've got a problem with lust what does that word mean lust it means to have a deep yearning or desire for something it's not just of a, a carnal sexual nature that's what we hear it alluded to a lot of the times, but you can lust after about anything, regardless of what it is. Anything out there that's in the world, if your heart and mind is more dedicated to that, you're lusting after that. You're allowing your heart and your, your, your mind to be, be contained by that, to be put into a box by that, to be jailed up by that. That's what you're allowing. And that's the old problems in our modern church that we're seeing today. Because we're, we're farther along than anybody. Here we are. There, we, we could get to church. If it was raining up, down, sideways, if it was flooded, we could still get here most likely. If the, something burned down, we could, go, we could have church over the, the podcast. We could go to somebody's house. We can do things that years gone by wasn't as easy to do. It's funny, though. People still made a way. It was still vitally important. We live in a day where we can do it if we want to, 
but you let the hailstorm come by the house. I can't get to church this morning. I can't do this. Or I, I just I got to stay home and fix it. Hey, I understand when things happen. If your ox is in a ditch, if your if if it, the ox is in a ditch, sometimes you got to go get it out. But I do, in the same sense, understand that we have a choice. We are gifted a choice in our modern society whether how whether or not we're going to be dedicated to God's house. Seems like years ago, people got in a spot where they didn't felt like they didn't have a choice, but they prioritized it, and that's that's a greater sign of their dedication to the church. Now, you let, well, I saw a picture one time, and it was funny. It was uh, one of these things on Facebook, and it said, it, was, uh, it said, well, I guess I can't go running today. Looks like it's going to be a rainy day, and it was one little cloud out in the sky. You know, we'll, we're, that's the way we live in this world. Those people, it didn't matter what was going on. It could be snow, and it could be uh, the, the world is falling apart, and they still, they got to go to work. They, they are so dedicated to their job, they'd still go. They're still dedicated to their family. They still go get that firewood in. They still go get their crops in because that's what they had to do. But we live in this world where we have every, every ability to do anything we need to do with every bit of convenience, but yet we let our lust hold us back and hold us behind. It says, From whence come wars and fightings among you, come they not hence even of your lust that warmer in your members. Ye lust and have not. There's a difference between lusting and longing after something and actually having it you know a lot of times the things we lust lust after either we're we know we ain't ever going to have it in our minds we've told ourselves we're not going to get it or we make ourselves so crazy trying to get it that it's not worth having once we do get it well we got to do this you know if we're going to be in this next century, if we're going to be in the 2020, what we need to be church or whatever, what to be able to draw people in. See, that's where you start getting a lot of the issues is we try to draw people in. That's the thing. Part of the lust we see in modern church today is we want to get people crowding this building. We want to get people that I want God to fill this church up in his time, in his way, in his will, if that's his will. I'd love to see that. But at the same time, if I'm lusting after the, the recognition of having a full church house, that's wrong. We have a problem with lust in the church. We do. There are people out there that their desires are not pure. Their things that they want are not holy. The benefits they want from it are not wholesome. There's they're something to benefit themselves. There's something to benefit their pockets. There's something to be able to benefit their buddies. We have a problem with lust. You lust not and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. There's something about lusting after something is it will make you do things that in your regular right mind you probably wouldn't do. And what I'm referring to is, I'll just, just give you some examples. We're going back to and considering how we, we want pe- we got to have people come in. Well, you know what? We, a lot of times to be able to draw people in that usually wouldn't be coming in, you've got to compromise something here in this book, to be able to make it applicable to them so they will come in. Or up front, you've got to be dishonest about something or be quiet about something so that they feel like, well, this is okay. Then you hit them with the truth and you don't ever see them again. We've got to be careful what, we're, what our desires are, what our, what our purposes are, and what our, what our intents are behind trying to grow God's house. We've got to be careful about, uh, hey, it's easy to go out and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I go to this church, you hand them a card and say, come see us, and you give them a list of stuff, and if you ever notice, uh, if somebody's trying to ask you to come to their church, they a lot of times, first and foremost, will mention the types of uh, activities and events they have. Yeah. 
And there ain't nothing wrong with activities and events. It's good to have things that are done in a respectful manner, things that are done in a godly manner. But I'm telling you what, I, when I tell, if I'm going to tell somebody about coming to my church, it's like the gospel's preached, the truth is taught. There's people here that'll pray for you. There's people that'll get beside you. There's people that'll love you. That's what matters. Events and activities, they don't mean a hill of beans for somebody that's going through a difficult time. Where are those activities and events when mom comes up with cancer, when dad comes up with cancer, somebody dies in a car accident, where are those things? Those things are okay, but they, they need to be put in their rightful place. Come to our church. God's words preached there. The spirit is felt there. People don't like that. Well, God, God's words being preached, I, I don't know. I just I like something that's just a, you know just enough to, to make me feel like I learned something. I really like the stuff that I heard in Sunday school when I was a kid because I'm on the same page. People don't like to be challenged for things by other people. And there's a right way about going that, going that, a right way of doing that, but people don't like to be challenged to, to read and study their Bible to know what the preacher's talking about. People don't like that. Well, I don't like nobody stepping on my toes. Well, there's a big difference in a preacher stepping on your toes and the Holy Spirit stepping on your toes. I've seen and heard stories and situations of people they come to the altar to pray and the altar fills up with other people and they got really uncomfortable because they was having to wade through people in the altar praying for them to get back to their seat. I talked to one guy one time. He said, I, you know, everybody else was going to pray and I went down to go to the altar and people crowded around me and put their hands on me, scared me to death. There's some people there trying to help you. If that's the case, You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Those desires after those things, they're not e easy to come by. And if in your lust you come by anything, it will not be something that will be sustainable. Say, well, you know, we need to do this to be able to make our church applicable in 2020. I will guarantee you there may be people come, there may be recognition given, there may be things happen, but it's not going to be sustainable. It is not the church's job to morph into whatever year we're living in to be accepted by people, to be accepted by things. It's not, that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to be an give an opportunity for people to morph into what God wants them to be. That's the goal and the purpose of the church. Not to pay somebody's salary. Not to build somebody up. Not to make a singer into a big uh, hit southern gospel singer or whatever, something singer. That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to be a harbor for hurting souls. To be an opportunity for people to grow. To be an opportunity for people to hear the word preached. But we lust after the wrong thing. You won't lust after the things of God, but you will have a deep yearning and desire for the things of him. You don't, the difference between lusting and lusting after things of the world and wanting the things of God is because wanting the things of God, that's not sinful. That's pure. That's holy. We have a problem with lust. He identifies the, the division in the church. He identifies that regardless of what they do, regardless of what these people he's writing to do, they're not going to obtain what they want. And they're out killing for it. They're out fighting for it. They're out hurting people for it. They're not going to get there. This breeds the, these imperfect people. We're all imperfect. We're not perfect. 
There ain't nothing about us that's going to be perfect and holy until we are taken out of this flesh and, and our, our bodies, and that is only because Christ and his blood shed on Calvary. And when we're made perfect by him, we still don't deserve it. Only he and he alone deserves recognition as perfect. But we're imperfect. We know that's how it's going to be. But I tell you what, there could be a lot of imperfect people working together for the good and the cause of Christ, and that could be something great. But there are some places, there are some groups, there are some folds that imperfect people together, it only breeds a spirit of destruction. You fight and you war, yet you have not because you ask not. That tells me that the way they're asking for things, the way they're wanting things, the way they're desiring things doesn't go through God. It's what they can achieve. It's what they can do. It's what they can build up. It's what they can make happen. Why won't churches grow? So we've got 1,000 people. We've got 500 people. We've got 100 people. But we're not. Nothing's happening. People are in and out. People are... They, they have a hard time being dedicated to, to whatever they're, they're stepping into, whatever they're signing up. I'll tell you right now. There are some things in the modern church that are old problems that are keeping them from growing. First off, the business model is dog-eat-dog. Dog. There's a business model that's been established in church, and it's dog-eat-dog. Dog. It's man versus man. God never intended that. People are trying to run church. like That's what my dad always told me growing up. He said, you don't run a church like a business because it ain't a business. You say, well, we've got to make sure the ties are up. We've got to make sure this or that. Hey, God will handle that. If the word's preached, if people pray, if people work together, God will handle that. He is the CEO of this business, and it is his business. And his business is seeing people come in, seeing people be saved, seeing people be dedicated, seeing people pray, seeing people study. That's what he wants. He is running the show. I'm not a, a little micromanager. I'm just here to help shepherd the flock. That's not my job to run this business. It's his business. But it's dog eat dog. It's me versus them. Pastor versus pastor. Singer versus singer. Church people versus church people. You ought to hear everybody say, I go to the best church. You ought to hear that. But you know what? That person down the street, if God's in that church, they ought to say that too. You ought to feel that way about your church. There's some people that I go to the best church, and if your church ain't just like me, mine, or think just like me, or do this, you, your church is wrong. Hey, there's some doctrinal things wrong with some churches, but they'll bear their own fruit. It ain't my job to go out and fight them. It ain't my job to proselyte the people. Because nine times out of ten, you pull them over and they're so rooted in what they were believing before, you got to let God make that change. Right. It's not me versus them. Right. shouldn't be a business model in a church. That's not how it works. The business model is dog eat dog, but the social model is to step on others' hands while climbing the ladder. You see, people, I was that person not too long ago, but young preacher. And it's like just there's, a, there's something goes on I don't understand it, can't explain it. I'm ashamed of most of it, but there's just things you say and do as a young preacher that you just you regret. But there is a social model in churches that is I'm going to step on people to get to the top. That's not what God wants. That's not how you grow a church. That's not how we grow the family of God. Like I've preached recently, there's been people that I've dealt with, especially in missions in West Virginia, people that were were so poor that I mean I can't even imagine what they dealt with and what they went through 
And they can, know, they can tell and see when I'm genuine. They can tell and see when you're genuine. I've talked about that. But this idea that I'm going to step on everybody to get, the co- get to the top, I'm going to climb on their shoulders. I'm going to step on their shoulders to get to the top. You get to the top and there ain't nobody left on the ladder to, to stand with you. I don't know if you've ever been, to, been exceeded the, I don't do this a lot, probably only done it once, but if you've ever exceeded the, the height of the recommended height of your ladder you're on, it helps to have one or two people at the bottom to make you feel just a little bit better. You might fall and break your neck, but you feel good because there's somebody at the bottom helping. <laughs> Tell you what, I don't want to get to the, the top of a 25-foot ladder and nobody below me. I like to have somebody there to hold it for me. I'm a chicken. But if you was there too, you'd feel that way. We shouldn't step on one another in a social way to make, put people down and hurt people to get to the top. All that is is we're lusting. At, if, if that's the case, we're lusting after something that's not of God. The social model is to step on others. Can't believe it. The type of uh, the things people will do. Pre- as preachers are the worst for it. I'm just going to tell you, mess with other people. Wicked, wicked, ungodly things they'll do to one another. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've felt the effects of it. I've seen people sit at home from church because of it. If the things you do to others keep people from coming to church and not feeling welcome in God's house, you're doing something wrong. You're stepping on somebody. The business model, the social model. Church is a social place, but it's not Facebook. It's not this, this just a meet and greet kind of place. It's a place for you to grow with other Christians and be friends with other Christians in a way you can't get anywhere else. That's the social model of church. But then there's a political model. These businessmen, preachers, and Sunday school teachers, and deacons, and singers, and whatever else, and they're, this is their social outlet to, to build themselves up. I've seen it. You've seen it. They've got some political mindsets and some political agendas behind what they're doing. The political model has everyone divided and pitted against each other. We see that. It's evident. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's a big church. It doesn't mean it's a little church. It just happens in church. But it's dog eat dog. It's stepping on one another. And to try to, like old Sandballot, remember old Sandballot? He was trying to make Nehemiah feel small. And he did that. Try, well, he tried to do that by getting people on his side. That was his goal and his mindset. They're trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I've got to get a posse together. I've got to have people on my side. You don't get a bunch of people on your side by, by, by just being the nicest guy. People want to follow somebody that's bold and loud and strong and and courageous. There's a political mindset in people's minds. There's an agenda behind people that I got to get a crew with me together so we can make people feel like they know, so they know who's in control. In churches now, people, I'm telling you, it's it's crazy. There's a political model, and it ought not be that way. But there's also a home model that's wrong. And it's stemmed down from the business model, from the social model, from the political model, all the way down to the home model has become one of jealousy, divisions, and selfishness. And we wonder why things are messed up. But if the home's not right, things aren't straight at home, somebody ought to be able to come to church and be able to get something a little different. But they come into church, modern church, old problems, got this problem with lust, and we'll get to the next problem in just a second, Lord willing. But they come to church, they ain't got it at home, and there's a business agenda, there's a social agenda, and there's a political agenda in the church. 
People don't feel like coming back. I don't blame them one single bit. I don't want no part of that. I'm not saying I'm perfect either. And it, this, this frustrates me because I've seen this stuff. It irritates me. But we got people that they don't have it at home because there's division at home. You've got a wife or a husband that's trying to get their spouse in church. He's trying to show their spouse the right way. But they go to church and there's selfish divisions. There's selfish lusts in the church. This business mindset, this social mindset, this political mindset in church, I'll stay at home. That's what people say in their mind. They don't come because... They don't feel like they're getting anything different in God's house. That's modern church, old problems. How do we handle those old problems? Well, that home, maybe it's not there at home. But it says in verse 3, it says, Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lusts. These people, they get what they want, Get it all, get, take all they want, and all that's left is the cob and the shuck. That doesn't get you far. These people are asking, these people we're talking about, that they're, 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 they're after these things of the world. Leaders, churches, leadership, church members that are lusting after these things. You ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust, and what it does is it puts that person that's trying to come into God's house and grow, somebody that God might save, somebody that we might see have something changed in their life, it puts that person with nothing left. We've heard about trickle-down economics. I've heard about that in my life and how that it starts out real big and it trickles down to the middle man and the little man finally, and you got just a little bit left over. That's not how this works. It's consumed upon your own lust. We have a problem with lust, but then we have a problem with leadership. There are leaders in the church, people that have been saved a long time, people that know the Lord, that ought to know that, you know what, we need to set aside something for, for these people coming in. We need to store up some of that manna, store up some of that, uh, that, that good stuff for these people that are going to come in and want to come to this church. We want to store that up. We've got to prepare ourselves for it. But there's a problem in the leadership in church these days that they consume all the blessings, and they're not even really blessings because it's stuff that they've achieved on their own, and there's nothing left for anybody else. Right. Self-promoting business, social status, self-growing political agendas, and corrupt, church, corrupt homes have no place in God's house. But a lot of times we find that it comes back to leadership. Leadership's worried about numbers. They're worried about their position. They're worried about their programs. They're worried about their prestige. They're worried about their facilities. We was in a church one time, and I'm going back. I'm sticking to it. We, the, last week we read the scripture, rebuke them sharply. We're trying to resist false religion in these scriptures. We're trying to learn from this. So I'm just going to be honest with you. We were at a church one time, and there was a guy that came to help. We had been going there for a while, and he came to help, and I believe I probably told this story. And it wasn't but the second Sunday he was there, he said, come up to me, he said, you know, I can't wait till we have to bust these walls out and just build such a, a bigger church, and we'll have to go across the road and buy the land across the road to build a church on. I, I tell you, I just can't wait till that day comes. 
And I thought, if God wants that, that'd be great. If that's what God wants, that'd be wonderful. Man, you, you don't know these people here. There's some hurting people. There's some people in some difficult times here. There's some people facing some hard things here. And what I'm praying for right now, and I'm not saying I'm always right, but in that one instance, what I was praying for is that God would deal with those people and help those people. There were some people that were a hindrance that he needed to get out of the way or else we were never going to grow as a church there. But that's the mindset. Man, you give somebody just a little bit. That's the old saying, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Got to be careful because, hey, God wants to give you numbers, he'll give you numbers. You'll know it. That's a great thing. Pray for God's will, though. Lord, if you put me in a position where we've got 100 people come to this church and we do have to do something, we do have to worship somewhere else, I mean, that'd be a hard thing to do. But at the same time, if that's what God's will is, let's let, it, let's let his will have course. You know, you see, these places, they'll fake going out of business to try to get you to come in and buy. They want numbers. We shouldn't be peddling some kind of scheme to try to get people to come into church. That's not growth. But then position. You see people, they, they look at something and they see the, the ability to get into a position and get into something and to get into a, 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 a spot of, of power. People love that. Yes, not and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. Numbers and positions and programs and prestige and facilities. God may bless you with those things. And if he gives those things to you, if he gives those things to me, that's great because he's given it to us. But I don't, out of my own lust, ever want to see myself try to go get those things just to make my flesh happy. We have a problem with leadership. Numbers, people want to brag to their other friends. Look, Oh yeah, we got so and so, all these people coming and doing this and that. I'd rather know the people. I'd rather personally see. I, I know pastors that pastor hundreds of people, and they know what they see people, and they know what's going on in their lives. You know what that tells me? That God gave those numbers. I know people that have positions, and honestly, they could let themselves just be built up where they're at, even in church. But they are humble people. I believe they'd wash the feet of anyone. That's important. I believe God gave the increase there. Programs and things. There's programs that are good. But you can tell when it's for the right reasons. Or if it's out of a spirit of lust. Prestige and facilities. They're all things that come with life. People, some people think you're something. Some people think you're nothing. You can build big buildings and do big things and have this and that and the other and a second story and uh, a big on a big hill looking over everything. But if it's not done by God, if he doesn't give that increase, it's not worth it. That's right. mm -hmm. People want numbers to brag to other people about the, all the folks that come to their church. Leaders want position to bring attention to their own accomplishments. Leaders want programs to cater to people in every class or mindset or this or that or the other. We've got to have something applicable to everybody. That's, right. mm -hmm. That's okay if it's done in the Lord, but sometimes we're just grasping at straws trying to make, people, make us feel like we're... We're doing the, the thing that 2020 church should be. They want prestige to exalt themselves and facilities to be seen in. It's wicked. 
I'm almost done. But I believe we're in a day, and I heard this said one time, I don't know who said it, but there are a lot of places that ought to be investing in graveyards rather than all these other things because there's so many dead spiritual people inside. We've got to have somebody to, somewhere to bury them. But yet we've got to do all these other things. And I'm not against that. I'm not preaching against building new facilities and doing new things. But we've got to do it in the right way. It's got to be given by God. I'm just going to wrap this up. and we, We'll be, be done. I thought this might be over a series of time, but it, I'm, I've made it to this last verse and we'll be done. Or the last few verses. And so to consider this, and I, well, let me, let me turn this verse real fast. I <clears throat> lost, my, lost my spot here. I had an extra verse. But to consider the lusts in the church are intentions pure and holy. The leadership in church, do we have people in positions that are going to help other people? Are we stepping on others to get where we're going? Or are we building up ourselves and rather, rather than letting God build us up? But in consideration begins in verse number 4. Consider this, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Back in J James 4, I couldn't find another verse. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Those are some strong words. You can't play both. My mom, I remember one day, she very, very plainly told me this. She said, you can't ride the fence. You've got to choose which side you're going to get on. And you might get stuck trying to figure out where you're going to go, but you've got to choose. You can't have it both ways. That can be a hard battle at times because maybe we don't have these big sins that we see or think of, but we have little things in our own flesh that we want. Tell you what, even fighting with those things, sometimes we're on the fence. That's difficult. We've got to choose which side we stand on. But ye adulterers and adulteresses, know, thee, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. I don't want to be found in that position. And trying to do everything I want to see happen at Laurel Chapel, everything so-and-so wants to see happen in another church, trying to make my vision come out instead of God's vision. That's friendship with the world, friend. You want to... Make it what you want to make it. I want to make it what I want to make it. We have very different visions. If we let God's vision be for, first and foremost up front, it'll be right. Amen. Do you think that the Scriptures, verse 5, Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? We were warned that this would be the case. We were warned that this would be uh, what we would face and deal with, that lust that's inside, it's a natural thing. Of course I want to see what I want to see happen. Of course you want to see the things you desire happen. We've got to be careful with those things. But he grieveth, or he, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. A lot of times the people you see blessed the most by God have the least by the world's standards. Maybe have achieved the least by world standards. Maybe haven't been recognized as much by world standards. But they have the most because of their humility. Yeah. 
Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We could stay all day right there in verse 8. We have a problem with lust. We have a problem with leadership. But then finally, there's a problem of letting go. When we were living in our trailer out in Fairview, every night, when it started getting cold, every night I'd hear just a, just a faint clicking sound, ruffling sound under the house. I tell you what, I did not want anything living under my house. I pay the rent for this house. There's nobody freeloading on me. But there's also, when we identify what the problem is, it's important that we get after it and try to fix it. And I did. I, I caught some mice. One night we got up, and I got up about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I heard the sound. And it wasn't long, and the strongest skunk smell you have ever smelled in your life was, in, was I mean, just the strongest smell. Thought I had identified the problem. Thought I had set up a measure of correcting the issue. But I overlooked a few gaps under the house that allowed a skunk to get under my house. And not only did it just do that under my house, it just died under there apparently. But you know, we have no problem. When we identify something that's inconvenient to us, we have no problem trying to fix it. You know what I did? I packed myself a bag and I went and stayed at mom and dad's house. <laughs> but when it comes to the things of the Lord, we identify gaps in our spiritual lives. We identify missing pieces in our spiritual lives. And that's simple, basic stuff, but it's just real life. Right. We identify these things and we won't do nothing about them. I guarantee you I blocked up some holes and gaps after that happened. But spiritually, we will be lazy and won't try to identify things that are wrong. Won't try to, as this scripture says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. In our spiritual walk, I tell you what, you'll end up, it'll smell like a skunk, the mess you're in. You'll end up in a bad spot. And then you realize, man, I wish I'd have went back that day that that temptation came by. It's took me a lot farther and farther than I ever wanted to go. And then we're left patching up holes that we should have patched up long before. Sure. <clears throat> Letting go is one of the biggest problems people have. Because we lust after things, we want these things, but we can't let go of them. If we just think about it like having a skunk under our house, we do a little better. Just simple stuff. But we love the things of this world too much. We all do. We've got a, it's a daily battle in trying to ensure that we identify these things and we let go of them. Get them out of the way. And it's a daily battle. You can't, there's times I've had to let go multiple times. It's not just you let go once. I wish it was. You just say, God, I am submitting myself to you, and it's easy the rest of your life. It's not the case. The moment you submit to God and you let go, that's when it gets the most difficult. But if we have a pure heart and we say, God, I want what you want, 
I don't want to be lustful after things that I shouldn't follow. I want you to do. I want you to give the increase. I want you to give the blessings. But God, I'm a leader to somebody. So I'm not the pastor. I'm not a singer. I'm not, I just come to church. You're a leader to somebody. You're an example to somebody. And your leadership, if it is ate up and filled up with lust after things of this world, your leadership's not going to be where it needs to be. How do I fix it? Let go. Submit yourselves to God. Draw not of him. Satan, he can't get close to that. If we draw not of him. Modern church, old problems. Old problems. They've been the same thing, the same issues that Eve was tempted with over in the garden. Jesus was tempted with himself. And in all every way possible, he defended against it. He defended against it with his word. Say, so, well, it offends me because I don't, I, I'm not that way, or I'm not. Just go to this word. Let this word search through you. Don't, don't take it from me. You might not have a bit of that lustful mindset in your life, but I tell you what, you go reading this book. If there's anything in there, God will identify it for you. Let go of it. Thank you for your time. I appreciate the spirit this morning.